Welcome back, Chatham Only Better. We are on our way, not far at all. Episode 11 already. I don't know where time has gone. Once again, we have got a really busy podcast this week as we're going over the whole of Wednesday um, of the festival, which is really exciting. Jerry, we really hope you're going to drop us some more bombshells this week. Do you think you have any super sort of controversial news for us this time around? I don't know if I delivered any controversial news last week, Megan. Um, <laughs> I'll, um, I'll try my best. I'll see, see, see what you'll probably do. say that John Bonner win the Arkham again, Meg. Oh, stop. <laughs> Luckily, he's not running on the Wednesday, so we don't need to have that debate. Um, Daryl, you clearly are in good form. Nice to have you back. I'm surprised you've even made it because it sounded as if you were having celebrations from weekend winners that lasted for days and days. Yeah, I did all right on Saturday. My old mate Zanza did me a good turn. Uh, Fernando Silva as well picked up a good couple of quid. Yeah, I had a, had a, had a few beats. I'm going on a bit of a health kick now, though, Meg. I've decided. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, I've decided enough's enough. I'm going to go on a bit of a health kick until Cheltenham. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, not too long. So a month of sort of trying to long enough. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I like it. Not dry. Not dry January, but we're sort of doing a health kick February instead. Um, and we have a very special guest, and I'm going to drop in something that I don't think everyone will know. We have got ex-accountant turned one of the world's best commentators, Richard Hoyles, on the panel. Richard, it's so great to have you. I'm not sure everyone will have known that, and I had a little bit of a inside information. Little birdie tell me, uh, yeah, you were an accountant before you became a commentator. Yep, but that was a bit boring, to be honest. Well, so it was okay. It was, it was all right. It was all right, but... I- Turf accounting was better than chartered. So yeah. Well, you know, when I was at school, no one told you you could make a career out of racing, particularly if you didn't come from that sort of background. There's only one master I keep in touch with from school, and it's my flaming careers master. Because he loved racing and he never told me. He knew I did. He knew I was nuts about it, and he never told me. They packed me off. I got my articles in those days going up to town. You know, and yeah, and he, he loved racing all along. So um, anyway, I'm still in touch with him, so I better not be too nasty about it. <laughs> I bet he wants all the tips nowadays. <laughs> He's pretty smart. He's got some horses with Richard Fahey and things like that. So it's not, a you know, it's a proper interest for him. But um, yeah, no, he's a, Roger's a really nice bloke. He taught me Spanish and I was useless at it. So yeah, <laughs> fair play, I suppose. Well, no excuses for any pronunciations if we've got some <laughs> Spanish names amongst them. Although I'm pretty sure... Um, for Cheltenham, we haven't got too many that, that are Spanish names. Um, I'm going to absolutely pick your brains throughout uh, the pod, and I'm sure Jerry and Daryl will be jumping in as well. But we have got to kick it off because we've got to get through a lot of races. And the first is the Ballymore, which is... I love this race. Really exciting. And I'm super excited because, for once, we have a British favourite. Woo! And that is Hermes Allen, who I'm really hoping can win for obvious reasons. Um, but Jerry, I want to start with you because I know that you quite like 14 to 1 shot in the pocket. And for what reason has he kind of caught your eye? Um, well, I suppose I suppose to go back to the very start. I love this horse when he won his point to point. Um, I can remember following him through the sales ring. Uh, Nicky actually Nicky Henderson actually underbid him. Uh, at Cheltenham at, at the sales he was bought by um, Michael Hyde on behalf of JP he went to Henry Bromhead I've kind of always followed him the whole way through and he's a horse that I think is massive ability um, I just think they took, they kind of went down a different route stepping back back and trip the last it's two miles the Dublin Racing Festival uh, he still ran a credible race I think he was about nine lengths behind um, Willie Mullins' horse um, so yeah I just think back up to two mile five stiff track like I see this horse over fences being a three miler, but I think back up to two five at Cheltenham, he's one of those horses I kind of kind of flagged up maybe five six weeks ago, and I'm still not I'm not a lot has changed in the meantime. But my opinion, this horse has probably only been enhanced, and I really like him. And a fourteen to one, I think this is the race he's going to go for. I hope he does go there, and I think at fourteen to one, he's a great each way bet. Yeah, a lot of these horses have obviously got entries either in the Supreme or um, obviously in the Albert Bartlett, so they kind of. In between the Ballymore is obviously the in between, so I guess people are keeping their options slightly open. Um, Richard, this is obviously first race of the second day. When it comes to the first race each day, do you feel like the pressure's back on, or is it like day two? You're in the flow of things by now. Um, I don't really 
I'd really overfeel the pressure too much, Meg, to be honest. If it's going to go wrong, it'll go wrong without me feeling sort of too worried about it going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just try and find your way out of too many blind alleys. It's, it, often, it probably does depend on how, how day one's gone. But look, it, it's it's pretty easy, the, the festival, in terms of the sense that, you know, apart from the loads of Irish ones that I genuinely don't know and the lots of JPs and, and Giggins Town, but, you know, they, the racing such quality that the horses do it all for you, really. It's not like trying to, you know, engender some interest in a really lower key card when maybe the fields have been disappointing that's not going to happen here um no. i don't want to i don't want to you know get us off to a bad start but i was quite surprised your dad's last winner at the festival oh god now you are asking off the yeah. top of my head we haven't <laughs> had one the last i think dad Ooh. wanted to blow up cheltenham the last couple of years it's politologue which is going back a bit was it yeah i believe so unless i've done that wrong um yeah. oh my word yeah, well, that's what, that's what I thought. But I mean, it's a genuine, it's a genuine chance, isn't he, Hermes Alain? I mean, normally mm. we all trot out, you know, Daryl and Jerry have been on, you know, preview programs where we trot out the Chalo winner never wins at Cheltenham. But that's normally because it's a mud bath and everything else. And that Chalo's strong, four wins out of it, including some collateral form with others that have been beaten elsewhere. Marble Sands, the latest in the Sydney Banks. Real chance. And the other point is speed does win this race. You know, mm. it's two mile five, still on the old course. Ground shouldn't be too bad unless we get an absolute deluge. Um, lots of good horses of, you know, Rock on Rubies, Ister Brax. They've shown plenty of speed um, in the later career. So, um, yeah, I think he's got all, all going for him, to be honest. Deserved favourite. And um, I wouldn't put you off. I don't know much about Empera Passe compared to Gaelic Warrior, but um, probably be the one that I'd be most concerned about. Yeah, I think, Daryl, isn't um, Imperia Passe one that you really like? He, he's one that I think is definitely going to be the biggest danger to, dad, to, to your dad's Hermes Allen, that's for sure. Because I think, in my book, the two, you, you tend to need to run up to about 150, just over 150, to win these novice races at the festival. Hermes Allen, for me, has done that. Um, there is very few in this field that have got anywhere near it. Um, and Perry Pass has got the potential to do that so I, I find it very hard to see I'm struggling to find out where I am with him so I'm going back over his two races that's all you've got to look at um, mm. to try and find some sort of angles in here now he's a definitely a powerful stayer the step up and trip is, is certainly going to suit him um, but whether or not he can can run up to that sort of 150 one, between 150 155 mark does remain to be seen um, and I don't know if he would have the speed that Hermes Allen does um, he, he is quick in short and in short sharp bursts but whether or not he'll be able to go the full tempo he's not done a, a time figure that suggests that you know he's worthy of second favoritism but I think the lack of depth in this division is why he's at the position in the in the market he is I do think Hermes Allen will drift on the day though Meg um uh, Richard's quite right to point those stats out about the shallow hurdle winners and, and about your dad's record at Cheltenham I think those might be reasons why he might have a small drift on the day and you might get a bigger mm. price for him on the day so I think in terms of market value I think they, they are very good points to make the one I couldn't have and I will lay until the cows come home is Gaelic Warrior like I, I, I could not have this horse no winner in the last 33 years as what has ran in a handicap before running in this race like the time was really slow at Dublin. He jumps violently to the right. Uh, look, right-handed, he might be unbeatable, but left-handed, he's certainly not. And I could not have him for the life of me at five to one. It'd be interesting to see where he goes because obviously Willie's got fairly strong options in in both the Supreme and the Ballymore. Um, Jerry, do you have a strong opinion about where Gaelic Warriors are more likely to run? Well, I just had a quick look there. It's interesting, like, you know, Daryl touched on ratings. Like, I suppose at the moment, I think he's probably got the highest official rating, hasn't he? I know it's all about potential and stuff with these horses, but I'm sure he's a mark of, well, like, definitely into the 150s. So you'd imagine... Yeah, 153, Gaelic Warrior. Is he earned that going right-handed, though, hasn't he? He's not earned yeah. that going left-handed. Because if you went yeah, on the last run, it would be nowhere near that. Yeah, like I said, it caught him out last year, that jumping jumping to the right, and it'll be even more, exa not exaggerated, but I think like that was obviously in the in against juveniles last year. He's up against bigger, stronger horses this year again. I think it'll it'll definitely go against him. But it just, I don't see him running a handicap off 153. I don't know. Um, but I think it just goes down, we touched on it before, just the strength and depth that Willie has. You know, most, most stables would love to have just this horse, regardless if he jumps left, right, 
<laughs> backwards, whatever. But it's just the strength and depth they have in the stable is just incredible. And you know, trying to find a race from like it's not going to be not going to be hard. But it, like if most trainers had this horse, they would be going for this race or even the Supreme. But I do think the way he jumps right, he would be better over a bit further. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where some of those go. Willie Mullins bingo kind of continues. They, they did have a press morning yesterday or the day before and kind of learned a bit more about some of them, but I kind of felt like a lot of it was still up in the air. So I feel like Willie Mullins bingo is ongoing. <laughs> um, so we'll be waiting to see much closer to the time. Um, that's kind of the main protagonist for this race I suppose anyone got a sort of big price horse that they wanted to throw in or, or discuss or is everyone sort of thinking it's going to be one of the more likely horses that we, we know about I think it's going to be more likely horse we know towards the fall of the market but there are a couple that could yet throw their hat into the ring I mean Jerry will be able to tell us that Attica is running on Saturday uh, along with Persian time I believe um, look a lot to find at the moment but 40 to 1 but if he goes and puts Jerry's in, laughing if he goes and puts Why in a big laughing? performance at Ascot I was going to say Jerry is, Nicky said in the stable tour this is where he may go look I know he's got loads to find but is he a no. potential shortener to I be fair, that. I'm only laughing because I didn't know whether to mention this horse or whether you, one of you was there laughing at me. So the fact <laughs> that he's kind of broken the ice is probably a good start. Um, <laughs> like, to be fair, like, I agree, like, a lot of these horses, we've established form and stuff like that. But this horse, through no fault of his own, obviously, he's intend he was intended to run at Newbury in the Challow, but he actually, he was one of the first horses we had that scoped dirty uh, just around the Christmas period. Uh, he was declared everything like that that was the plan to go there and by no fault of his it's just taken a bit longer to get over that he's in great form at home and um, i think that race at ascot on saturday it's only a straight novice hurdle but it's it's nearly like a listed race if not a great three it's a very very good race on saturday if they all kind of take their chance a uh, very competitive race he'll need to be winning that or showing you know going very close to warrant his place in, in the ballymore and i think he will He's a very nice horse, and I just think his future is ahead of him. But at forty to one, like I don't think there's any point backing each way on Saturday evening if he's won and he's sixteen to one. I think before, like before Saturday, is probably the price just to get a bit of each way of value with him. But not saying he's going to win the Valley more, but I do think if he runs very well on Saturday, he'd be a lot shorter than forty to one. And he, and even if you wanted to trade him, trade him on the exchange, see if you can get on there and have a look at the price there. He's going to, if he's going to be a potential shortener on Saturday, it's a small little angle without having him having to run. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, he's like I, said, I just didn't know whether to mention or not whether you whether you laugh. But I do think at forty to one, he's he's definitely a fun bet. The issue is probably what you've already said there, Daryl, isn't it? That if they've got to run to a mark as high as pushing one fifty, is a lot. Nothing probably yeah. between now and then. They just aren't the races they're going to get that rating. It doesn't mean you can't win really impressively, but it does mean you're going to have a big class jump on the day. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, course form um, counts for him as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he runs this weekend and, and then if he does or doesn't go. But it sounds like Jerry's going to have his £2 each way on 40 to 1 uh, anti posts. So and <laughs> we'll Megan, keep an eye on Attica. Megan, is Hermes Allen your banker of the week? Yeah, we haven't asked you, have we? Yeah, we should, we should have asked you. That's hard. <laughs> that is really hard. But I, I think you can't knock him for anything he's done, to be honest. So, yeah, I, I, I actually think... For once, considering the novices have been slightly disappointing the last couple of years, I think he has got... Meg, what's your concerns? What's your concerns? Because there's a couple of concerns there, I feel, when you speak about Hermes Allen. No, I'll tell you why. It's because we've gone to Cheltenham with really smart horses the last few, you know, few seasons, and more so in the novice hurdles and the novice chases. And we thought, you know, this will go really close. And then something goes... Brave Man's Game, for example, don't get me wrong, huge improver since going chasing. But he goes and runs at Cheltenham and is beaten by about half the track. And you think, oh my word. So, but the only thing about Hermes Allen is he's a smaller, more compact type. He's a readier type. So yeah. that's why I feel like actually maybe he can go very close or take the beating. You know, Brave Man's Game, just as an example, was a big, weak horse that was still, you know, improving and developing. But that's the problem is you go to Cheltenham and next thing these Irish horses suddenly improve another £10 and win by half the track. So <laughs> that is that is my slight because it's nothing against Hermes Allen, it's more about the opposition. That's so, fair. Um, so yeah, what about, what about if something takes... Yeah, I just, my only concern probably is that the, the slightly different tempos. Jerry probably know more about this than me. I'm sure you've ridden in a few similar races, Jay. Just that relentless tempo of the Cheltenham Festival ones versus the mm. sort of trial ones where you make all... 
you sit in front, you jump fluently and you kick away. In the sort of festival races, something sits with you and that drops away. But as soon as that's dropped away, something else comes and sits outside you. So he might just have to be a little bit more versatile in, in his run style than be mm. able to ping out and expect to run them all into the ground as he has done so far in the other races. Very good point. Very good. Yeah, point. I suppose, to be honest, a lot of the time, you know, in his runs up to date, he hasn't had to sort of be right up there or make the running, but there's kind of been no one to do it. So why not? You know, he's really laid back. Like he's he's horizontal. He's like Harry Cobden. Honestly, the pair of them, you could not get them to raise a hair if you tried. They're so laid back together. So I genuinely think you could ride him anyway. It's just, you know, when you've got a good horse, why not bounce out and make use of it? And if he is the best horse on the day, then he's going to win. And that's kind of what they've done so far. Um, but fingers crossed, I'm staying loyal. I think he is the one for the week. Um, but it's a hot race nonetheless. And also, I'm interested to see how it cuts up and which way horses with all the double entries kind of go. Um, but we better move on because we've still got another six races left. So the second of those that we're going to discuss is the Brown Advisory. Um, not a lot of entries now. It's kind of another that's that's cut up. Um, Richard, do you think, especially with the novice chases, that course form is really important, especially somewhere like Cheltenham, or do you not find that so much? Um, I think it's like anything. It's a plus if you've got it. It's a negative if you run there and run disappointingly. But obviously, you know, with lots of the Irish coming over now, there's plenty that have never tried it. And that's the point. It's unproven versus unsuited is, you know, unproven's a question mark. You don't know. Unsuited is you've been there and it's been horrible. But for a few of these, actually, they've been there several times, to be honest, mm. the exception. I mean, this whole, you know, the angle for me into this race is I, if Time Hill wins, I will be, I'll be amazed. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I genuinely, you can put your hands up, you have an opinion and wrong. He was my first anti-post bet of the festival for the stayers. Because I saw him jump first time and second time. And honestly, after Newbury in particular, I was absolutely convinced <laughs> they'd go back over hurdles. And I'm still not entirely convinced he achieved that much. I might just be, you know, pushing all in all the time because, but, you know, McFabulous, there's two ways of running at the best of times. It's set up for him nicely. Others hit the deck as the race developed. Um, I'll be amazed if he's even in the frame, if I'm honest. The, the plus is the ground's okay, and he's got genuine class. I, I won't yeah. argue for that. And we'll quote another stat about how Cortez Darwin has never win at the festival, but that's a bit harsh, really, because Cody Green won a gold cup having won one, and yeah. Mike Pye would have won the Cortez Starbuck for coming down at the last. And Brave um, Man's Game's going to win the gold cup this year, having won it, you know, last yeah, year. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> I think that's probably not very fair, but... The question is, if you really want to take him on, what have you got running for you? And do you have Jerry Colom running for you? Because the owner seemed adamant he wasn't going to run um, after he won at Sandown. Now, I haven't heard whether that's they've changed their minds there. The horse I'd love to see run is Gayard de Manil. He's still favourite, I think, for the National Hunt chase, but the owner's yeah. own Ramelies as well, who holds both entries. Honestly, think that if he runs, he was third to Lon Presse and a horse in you're in the race last year. He's placed in an Irish national. I mean, he's got so much more experience and a bit of quality. Um, mm. So he was top of my list. I wouldn't put you off backing a couple of other outsiders because I really don't like the front of the market here, um, with the exception of Jerry Colomb. And I don't like him because he might not run. So, yeah, I'm, I'm against Time Hill. I think I'd like to see Gaia Dumanil running for me as the um, the main one. But you'd have to go non-run and no bet if you fancied him at the moment. Yeah, interesting. The thing I will say about Time Hill, obviously, when he won the quarter star novices, um, it's impossible to say, but after what happened with McFabulous and his uh, irregular heartbeat, he ran so shocking at Kempton as well and stopped very quickly. Was that affecting him there? But obviously we hadn't, you know, he finished second. So we kind of thought, mm, you know, maybe he's just ran a little bit disappointing. It wasn't investigated, whereas this time it was so bad. Was it affecting him then? I don't know. So his time Hill's form as good? I'm not sure. So I think... Um, pretty valid I, i'd be against time hill especially at 11 to 2 i think that's a, a very short price and i'll um, just stand up for him quickly Meg. i'll just like devil's yeah, advocate with that <laughs> just just quickly like i like i understand it that like, the form has not been great this season his jumping is not terrific but it was much better with those cheek piece fitted last time they've given him every chance by coming here fresh after 79 days off he's got five wins a second a third and a fourth after 80 days off the track or more 
We know he loves this track. He was a second in the stairs hurdle last year, fourth in the Albert Bartley, and third in the champion bumper. He's ground versatile. Um, you won't have had too many nine-year-old 160-rate hurdlers running in this race. And we know that it's not the strongest race renewal we'll ever see. I do think there are worse bets than back in Time Hill at the Cheltenham Festival, in all honesty. But I can understand the point at the price at now, at six to one, I think you can sort of look elsewhere. But when this race cuts up, it could be down to about a four to one chance. And Shorter the yeah. better, Daryl. That's what that's really what I'd like, to be honest, in that sort of thing. I mean, I think the nine-year-old aspect is interesting because surely if he was going to be, a, if in their minds he was a chaser, mm. wouldn't he have gone a bit earlier? Yeah, that's you have to sort of think, did something not quite go to plan the last season? Because I remember they were, they were, you know, before he ran the status hurdle last season, that, that was the season he was going novice chasing, wasn't it? And they, mm. and they put a stop to it. Then they so, go to France. Jerry, I mean, you, you, you follow French racing far closer than me. You went to France, didn't you, and ran no sort of race early on in the season. Um, and right back in those days, I just wondered if it was the different shape of hurdles or whether, you, you know, and they shelved the novice chasing off the back of that, I think. Yeah, definitely. It was early in the season. Yeah, I don't know whether he had, like, I'm not too sure what actually went wrong. But I suppose we have seen, I suppose, I suppose more notably with, uh, more recently with Noble Yates, they took him out there, like, the start of the season too. Some some English, and especially, like I said, at nine years of age, he spent, what, a good five, six years of his career running around England or whatever, over conventional fences and hurdles, and all of a sudden he's in France. Some horses just don't take to do that, and he was probably mm. one more example of it. I think well, I was on your side, that, sorry, Darryl, sorry, on your side, I'll also just mention that Philip's horses are running better than they were. Yeah, um, I, I gave him an email, Richard, because he was he was tempted to go to this Ascot meeting this weekend, and it's an absolute graveyard for Cheltenham Festival hopes. And uh, normally it's a bog. I mean, it's going to be a pretty good quick ground, I think, this weekend, so it might not matter as much. But Time Hill's got such a fantastic record, fresh, and he is a bit of a spring horse. So... I wouldn't write him off entirely, but I can totally see your reservations at back and one at, at such a short price at, at six to one. If he was a 14, 20 to one chance or something like that, you know, you you you, you could easily argue that he's got a great each way shout. A horse that is a, a huge price, 25 to one, Galia de la Toe. Interestingly, Dan Skelton at his um, recent Cheltenham press day said that he thinks she could be his best chance of a winner, um, which is, you know, quite a big statement. And, he also thinks he is more likely to run in the brand advisory than in the mayor's novice because she gets the seven pound allowance. Um, I thought that was interesting. Jerry, what did you think about her? I mean, she really put Kempton well behind her when she won uh, most recently. Yeah, I I do think um, Harry gave her a brilliant ride at Warwick as well. The last day he dictated from the front and he made sure they went his sort of gallop, especially on kind of the back of the few bad mistakes she made at Kempton. Um, I think she she goes to Reynoldstown this Saturday first, I think. Um, I know we just touched on the Reynoldstown being a bad kind of stepping Mm. stone, but like I said, I I wouldn't read too much into those sort of things, but, you know. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting. She's in there. I think she's second favourite at the weekend. Um, it'll be kind of another kind of stepping stone towards it. But I agree with Dan. I, I do. If she was mine, I do. I would be going for this race as opposed to the mayor's race. Um, I would be a bit disappointed if Jerry Colom, if he didn't turn up, though, from 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 the trainers and owners point of view. I think this race, like if the real rack whacker runs in this race, he'll make it a real stamina test. He'll go a good gallop from the front. He'll jump. He'll he'll stay very well. And I, I just see Jerry Colom a proper staying chaser going forward. And I just think the race could be run to suit him. Um, like I think Jerry Colom, whatever it would be about being a Gold Cup horse, hopefully next year or whatever, I do think he'll end up being a, a national horse in some time. I just think he's a proper stayer. And with, if the real whacker runs in this, as opposed to taking up his entry in the Gold Cup or whatever, I think he'll make it a good test of stamina and it could really suit Jerry. And I just think, you know, if connections, they could look back and think they might have left a, a good grade one at Cheltenham on the, on the table if they don't don't run there. Yeah, that's interesting to see if they do end up changing their their mind off the sort of initial reaction from from winning at Sandown um, a couple of weekends ago. Daryl, I think you just wanted to quickly mention uh, Gentleman's Game um, and oh, yeah. the Devil's Coachman, is it? Their bigger prices, 12 to 1 and 20 to 1 at the moment. Yeah, Gentleman's Game's been scrapped, I think, yesterday. So uh, late late last night, so that's unfortunate. I think Devil's Coachman's um, interesting, but again, Noel Mead's... Uh, he desperately wants soft ground for this horse. There's a few in here that do want soft ground. Gala de la Tay as well being being another one. Um, Meg, I've had a complete flip round and I've been doing this race all morning and I'm going to do what I normally do to you and ask if your dad would even consider stage star in this race. Um, I don't think so. 
Would he not rather take on Jerry Colom rather than Moity Potter? Oh, Jerry Colom might not even go in. Um, yeah, Jerry I Colum. mean, that's one for your emails, Daryl. You'll have to drop him a line. I'll drop him a line because I, I think he, like there's so much stamina in the stage stars pedigree, as you know, and like, his best work came at the finish at, at Cheltenham last time. And I, I just think there's so much um, over that trip for the first time at the festival. Oh, that is well, so Gerard's going to do it, isn't he? Um, Lon Presse did it last year. He reverted from mm. from from going to the Turners up to the, to the Brown Advisor because it was a weaker race. I think this is. I think I this is so that. wide open. I'd be surprised. I could drop him. him a, I could drop him a WhatsApp, and by the time we finish the podcast, we'll have a, we'll have a proper answer. So <laughs> yeah, whilst no, I do that, <laughs> we'll we'll move on to the Coral Cup, which is our third race of the day. Um, this is normally a really big field, lots of runners. Richard, how on earth do you learn? And remember, all the runners, riders, colours, jockeys, everything. I mean, that must be a ridiculous challenge. Um, most of the commentators will probably say we prefer that sort of race to a four-runner, three-mile novice chase where mm-hmm. you have to start thinking about what to say. I mean, it can be obviously it can go absolutely pear-shaped. You, what you don't really <laughs> want them to do is to go really, really quick. You get a sort of what's up boys finish and a couple of others where, uh, was it Big Strand, that thing of, Pipers a few years ago, it's something like 23rd off the home bend and wins. Oh. That, that's not, they're not so much fun. But by and large, I mean, again, it's just a question if you don't want JP having five, because mm. by the time they get to the yellow and green quartered caps and the green cap of the white star and the, <laughs> you know, it, it gets a little bit messy if you don't actually see the jockey on the horse, um, you know, or you, you can't pick out the, the jockey's hat when they're lying on the ground, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, but more recently, County Hurdle would be the best example. Something so well handicapped, it doesn't become too much of a problem. You're going to the county last year with State Man, and you're thinking, well, you know, yeah, draws up the hill, and you think, well, that was that was that was quite easy. Um, and that's the point. Is I've had to change my game. I used to all be about handicaps at Cheltenham. I wouldn't really bet in anything other than that. And it was a pretty simple ph- um, philosophy based on what I said earlier about tempos. Horses that had finished in the first six at the festival in some sort of race before normally were suited by the hustle and bustle. Check out their marks. You had the likes of, you know, Buena Vista was a fantastic example years ago, that sort of horse. They spent, you know, if, if you or I owned a horse that was capable of running well at the festival one year, you would leave the course that night planning immediately for the next year. And that's where you'd be aiming that the, the whole season. You'd be concentrating on getting that handicap mark the yeah. right place. But now with the Irish having so many more and not such an angle on the form, but one that fills my category is May's runner, who just missed out qualifying for the Potemps, I think, finished fifth in Ireland in a huge field. Um, and finished fifth last year. Currently ran about twenty-five to one. The other one, he, he actually wasn't even priced up. So we've we've given you a special price of twenty-five to one, which might might, might mean he's not going to run. Of course, you know we are very much guessing here. Um, and Ashdale Bob, I think, also was placed in that race before Campron. I just can't have Campron's jumping. I mean, you know, it's ten times worse over fences than it was over hurdles. But he still makes a mistake. So all of that trio ran well last year, but uh, Maze runners. Maze Runner's got some decent form in some decent races down the years. The fair flat horse as well. Um, mm. If he turned up in Willie's, I think it might be Willie's mum's colours, actually. I'm not sure, but it's, it's a good family connection there. So, yeah, if I was forced to pick one out at a big price at this stage, it would be Maze Runner. And how often are Willie's horses 25 to 1? Well, that's normally because he's got 24 still in at this stage. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so. He's, he is the 25th. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, the, obviously, we haven't good. got the entries yet, but, I mean, I don't... I mean, Willie is reported to sort of, you know, at two minutes to 10, finally press the button, irrespective of what he would been told going into this. So I think mm. you can afford to wait for the day. But yeah, he, he's an interesting horse, I think, Maze Runner, if he lines up in this. And then obviously he'll be um, far short on 25, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the horse that ran on the weekend in the Betfair hurdle, no ordinary Joe. Jerry, 14 to 1, you wanted to flag this horse up. For what reasons did he disappoint on the weekend, or were you satisfied with his run? Hey? Yes, so, <laughs> I get the impression Daryl backed him. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, whoops! So yeah, this this or he was declared 
obviously with the intention of running and it, it was touch and go when it running because obviously we as it was well documented last week Newbury haven't been able to water and the ground was on the I think they got away with it on the day it wasn't too quick but that was our big concern with this horse that he does want proper kind of good to soft ground he doesn't want it too quick and um, if you look at his profile he's had a bit of time off and stuff like that he has been a bit fragile in in the past he's come out of the race very very like it's one of those James Bone rode him and he travelled and jumped into the race lovely and once he was beat up the straight James looked after him and um, He's come out of the race very well. And I just think he's unchanged off 139. Um, I think he's going, hopefully this is the race he goes for now. But I think he's he's got a good each way shout. You know, he said with, with these handicaps at the moment, when we don't have exact entries, like there's no point saying any of us have got a handicap good thing because mm. you know you know yourself. So we think we're looking for kind of a bit of value. And I think at 14 to 1, I think he's not a bad shout. Um, I suppose you'd prefer now if he had a bit more course form or something like that. But he's... Uh, he's got that great wood run, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's got to be a mid one forties, or surely. That that that's where I see him there. And like you said, I just the other day, I just loved the way he jumped and travelled for three quarters of the race. And when James put him into the race, he would go and put him into the race up the straight. There was just nothing there. The ground was too quick for him. He does want to get his his toe in a small bit. Not saying he wants soft ground, but he just wants genuine, real safe, good to soft spring ground that we should have on the first second day of of Cheltenham. I yeah, hopefully. Yeah. By now, just in terms of, you know, was that Ascot run, was it, Jerry, when he ran really well? Getting back a little bit now, but he finished yeah, in the like, frame. And he like, looked yeah, at, you know, he'd ridden with a choke out that day, and you thought, as soon as he settles, he'll be a JP plot in a big handicap. But we're still sort of waiting, really. And yeah, should have waited a bit longer. <laughs> and it's one of those, he's ended up settling and not like he's matured and he's got a bit sensible, but like he's. He has had a few few kind of niggly problems through the years, and but he said the most important thing is he's come out of the race very well from Saturday. So um, I think he'll be kind of you know he'll have an easy week and he'll be trained for for the Carl Cup hopefully. Um, Jerry, can I pick your brains about another one? Theatre Glory. We obviously saw her um, on the weekend. She's priced up at twelve to one for the Coral Cup, but you were under the impression she could potentially be supplemented for the mares. Yeah, well, yeah, because this was one of my bets I did from last week, wasn't it? And obviously, one of your bombshells. Very yeah. confident he was. Very confident. Um, play. I think yeah, you I think, were paying the supplementary fee actually last week, Jerry. Well, I think I think the owners they took another seventeen grand offer at the weekend again, so I think they might be able to afford it now. And um, this filly, she's incredible. Like she was, she was let out as unsold as a store for five grand. Nobody wanted her. Uh, hence how 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 I got my hands on her to lease off the breeder. She's just an incredible filly. Like the only thing I would say, she was off. She ran. I know it was a listed yesterday. She ran off one thirty seven. I didn't expect her to get eight pounds yesterday morning. Uh, so she's now off one four five. So I do think that'll put her out of the handicap. She's only sixteen hands. She's only a small filly. She's mm-hmm. a massive heart, but she's tiny filly. And I think it would be it would be suicide and poor filly if we ran her in the. In a, in a handicap so I do think she'll be going for the she will more than likely be supplemented for the for the grade one mayor's race okay interesting um we can probably ignore her her entry in the coral cup then like you say that's pretty big hike in the weights um I think two horses that again aren't actually in the betting at the moment Daryl you have got your eye on to potentially go this direction yeah, I'll just be quick with these because they're, they're not priced up. And um, one of the, the trainer, Oliver McKernan, who who trains uh, Gatsby Gray, I don't think he's had any Cheltenham Festival runners, so I'm not entirely convinced that he looks coming over here. But this also enough caught the eye the last couple of starts. He actually finished second behind Mighty Potter last year uh, in the Punchestown uh, Champion Novice Grade One. Finished second at 100 to one to him. He's um he needed it looked like he needed the run at Navin on the turn, and then he's caught the eye in two big field handicaps. I mean, latest at Dublin Race Festival, he was given and tons to do from the rear of the field it was such a slowly run race that he just never had a chance to really get involved it, there, there's a there's a handicap in him for sure he's off 139 in Ireland he's probably going to get the six the, the, the obituary six that he gets from the British handicapper but um, he's a talented horse is improving so I'd keep an eye on him and the other one just quickly is Vina Ardanza we know a bit about this horse for Gordon Elliott he's more than likely going to come over um, he was there behind John Bonner Anktree last year and uh, just showing a bit more sprite for the last few starts, and he, he he's got a big pot in him as well. Okay, so it could be a bit of a handicap plot with that that horse. Um, keep an eye on him once he he does get priced up. If he gets an entry, obviously we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, okay, so our main race of the Wednesday is the Queen Mother Champion Chase, which is the fourth race, and 
Adrian McCoy has always said this is an absolute thrill, probably the biggest buzz of a race to ride in at the festival. Richard, you've called this race plenty of times now. Is it a thrill to call home? Yeah, because they're all flat out, really, you know, from the word go. And the old course, we, you know, we should mention how much the old course favours speed. Mm. You know, and that's why you have the champion hurdle and, the, and this race, the Queen Mother, over the first two days. When we get onto the new course on days three and four, that's when the stayers come into their own. So, yes, it is, particularly if you come from the sort of era I started out in with Deep Sensation, Viking, Flagship, all of those sort of horses. You know, that was a very, very competitive division. It's funny how those divisions sort of ebb and flow. And at various other times, Badsworth Boy and horses like that completely dominated the division. And this time it's sort of rather fallen apart around our ears, mm. to be honest, because everyone has blown their lines to a degree. You know, I was going to ask you actually, is last year, although it was, you know, all the chat about an ergument, it possibly wasn't one of the strongest champion chases we've seen for a while. And this year looks kind of similar. Yeah, I mean, you, you can poke holes in all of them. You, you can poke holes in an ergamine's form saying that, you know, Chishkin didn't turn up obviously last year and was beaten almost as soon as we started. Um, he can just jump slightly out to the right, which we've mentioned before with relation to the hurdles. I still feel he's probably the right favourite. If you force me, I just think that the sort of recency bias of one defeat, I can't have this white paint malarkey about. <laughs> he jumped fine for most of them. I, I didn't I didn't go there thinking he was backing off everything under the sun. I, I, so, yeah, I, I, I can't have that as an excuse. So I don't think he's going to improve much. But it's interesting. I'm more interested in the, you know, the other boys' thoughts, really, because I've been round and round the houses here and... You can make cases for four or five. Hopefully, it's a competitive mm. race. Editor Dajit jumped so well last time, so well. I don't see how you even gain extra half length from where you went last time. And it is the old course, and there's not too many two milers that are run on the new course at Cheltenham. And so, whenever that race gets moved there, the Clarence House, it's one of the, the few. So it's a mm. it's a different track. You just have to be careful, I think. Could Editor Dajit be better on the old track than do you think? Well, he's sharper. Um, Edward Stone, I didn't like the way he jumped in the early stages, actually. I thought he'd run a little bit flat, and so he probably produced quite a good effort to get upsides. And Ergamine, I would imagine, was the shortest priced of all of the runners coming down the hill. <clears throat> Just mm -hmm. didn't seem to quite last home. But one interesting one that I'm probably bonkers, but if you fancied an interesting trading position, he's still in the entries, I think. He's 50 to 1, is Chacan Poissoir. Now, you know, he quits quicker than... Yeah, well, really fast these days. He was 8 to 13 in 2021. Mm. And if he lined up on the day, it's just the sort of one that, I don't know, price-wise would have a pop at 33s. And if, you, if you've had an interesting trading position exchange-wise, they're probably a worse. Whether you'll turn out, I have no idea. He didn't get up the hill that day. Graham might be right for Nubi Negra, but he's probably not good enough. Blue Lord, I think, might go elsewhere. Grenatine just didn't run his race. You know, I... I don't know, but um, I would have an Ergamina's favourite. I haven't got much in the front of the market. If you really wanted a wild one, then check Ampossoir for a few quid to trade. We love we love wild suggestions. We're all for <laughs> wild suggestions on this podcast, honestly. We love it. Um, Daryl, you always have some wild suggestions, but this is going to be a small field and potentially not open to too many more wild suggestions than we've already had. Yeah, I kind of echo Richard's thoughts there, though. Um, like, an ergamine, you can sort of pick holes in every single piece of form, even going back to the champion chase that he won last year, given that we know Fernando Civila loves fast ground. <clears throat> he was only beaten eight lengths there, you know, and I, I thought he was pushed out there as well. I didn't think he did it as easily as the, the comments suggest on the racing post. Um, Edward Stone's the, the, the horse that, you know, this could really set up for, especially with Gentleman to me in here and Editor to Geet. They're going off hard. Captain Guinness is going to be pretty forward i would suspect it probably set up quite well for him but i kind of i've kind of edged towards gentlemen to me um and and the reason why is because i think this is a spring horse i think you can forgive anything he does that uh the other side of christmas mm -hmm. if you just back this horse um from you know from the from february onwards five wins from seven starts and the other two were over hurdles, one was a non-staying performance in the Martin Pipe over two miles four, and the other one he got loose beforehand. And this horse has beaten both Blue Lord and Edward Stone. Edward Stone back at Aintree last year. I thought he was quite impressive at Dublin, in all honesty. Now, he's not one you could trust with to maximum effect, but he's going to be in the firing line. Um, he, 
he's not one of these horses either that seems to get hassled too much when he when he does have company up front. Dun Vegan was hassling him a little bit at uh, Dublin Racing Festival last time. He seemed to deal with it quite well. He's just interesting for me. He's a seven-year-old. He is on the upgrade. He could have more improvement to come. This old course would definitely suit him well as well. Um, and the others towards the top of the market, they are pushing nine now. Is Inergamine going to be better than... Has he got better to come? I don't think so. I was told that he would probably come on for the run at, at Cheltenham last time. But I, I'm just, I just can't get past the lack of depth in his form for me. Um and I'm just wondering, are the two at the top of the market getting any better? Maybe punters have got to be a bit, a little bit more clever in this race to try and eke out some value. And uh, I think Gentleman to me just might be able to stay towards the front of affairs. Okay, so we've we've definitely come to the conclusion that we're, we're not loving the top end of the market mm. in, in this race. That's for sure. Um, we've already discussed this race before. So, Jerry, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with you on race five, which is our cross-country race. And I'm going to start with you because I want to know what it's actually really like to ride in this race or over the cross country in the cross country races at all. I mean, it looks like one great fun, but two absolute carnage, really. Yeah, to be honest, Megan, I only rode in the race once. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those races that you kind of you get kind of specialty horses or trainers, even or you know some of these, like I said, the likes of Tiger Roll. It was a brilliant kind of race for him because. Before he went cross-country racing, he was nearly retired. He'd lost his form. He looked like he'd lost his kind of zest for racing. And this just totally rejuvenated him. So, yeah, it is it is very different. Um, it's always very interesting. Like so It's probably not as much the case anymore. But a few years ago, there was a lot of jockeys. Well, the top kind of flight jockeys didn't ride in the race because they just kind of it didn't look great or wouldn't sound great if they got injured riding across country and had to lose, give up their grade one rides later on the week and stuff. But I think it's, it's a bit different now. Um, I think Delta work, I think back, he was, I suppose people maybe thought he was a bit disappointing the last day, but it wasn't a handicap. He had plenty of weight, I think off level weights again in the festival. He's definitely the horse to beat. He, 11 to 10, even money. He's very short though. You know, there's no mm. real value there. I know some people don't even like this race or even like backing in this race. But um, I just think at a price, I would go for Diesel Dallier if the ground is on the slow side. Uh, put a line through. He's a proper cross-country horse. Um, he's a lot to find in ratings and stuff like that. But I think ratings go out the window small, but when it comes to cross country, because you could have the, you know, you could have the highest rated chase in the country, it doesn't take to cross country. This is a cross country specialist, but he does want a bit of ease in the ground. Um, put a line through his run the last day. He did he didn't have a great prep ahead of the race. Um, he was hoping to get a run over hurdles and stuff like that. He ended up needing it. So yeah, I just think he's been trained for this race. Um, and I just think it kind of 33 to 1, I think he's quoted here with, with Betfair. Mm-hmm. I think he's not a bad um, each way bet. I wouldn't be back in kind of pre chat or, you know, anti post because I do think he is a bit ground dependent, but I think at 33 to 1, he's a good each way shout. I'm absolutely loving all these big prices today. Loving it. We're literally staying well clear of the favourites. I, I love this. Um, Richard, the French. They love coming over for the cross-country race or races. And they've got Hip Hop Conti uh, priced up at eight to one, who's been going pretty well over in France in Po most recently. Have you sort of taken much interest in, in watching his cross-country races up to date? No, I, I wouldn't profess to be able to draw lines sort of between the French form. The ones we come, that come over regularly, that, that's fine. <clears throat> you know, we've had plenty of those. Um but look, the fact that the the, main, the obstacles in France generally are far more fearsome. If you ever walk around Altoy, you'll realise that, you know, if you can jump around there, then they are sort of the equivalent of the, the cross countries. This race was described to me in its formative years as the race where um, they went round and round very slowly. And then the horse that JP backed had won, which was in the old days. <laughs> they, they had, they, you know, they got a Jean Petra. We had, um, there was the old horse who used to go around there, whose name I've forgotten. It was the horse that decked uh, Mick in that horrible fall at, um, at Aintree that came back and, and ran in it in future years. And, you know, they were, they were all quite smart. I think Delta Work just wins. It, it's not exciting and it's, it's nothing like that. But it was a handicap last time, as Jerry mentioned. And, you know, he was giving away lumps of weight. He, they didn't also go that fast as well. The, the one I'd have as a big price is Plan of Attack, actually, who chased home um, Delta Work and Tiger Roll last year. He was in third. And he's mm-hmm. as big as 50 to 1, and I, I've struggled to see why, because, as you mentioned, they're, they're called specialists, these sort of horses, and um, he hasn't been anywhere near it, um, apart from running in the handicap again, when they didn't go fast enough for him, to my mind, at least. 
it will be interesting how quick the ground is here because bear in mind if they're going to water at any stage they won't be able to water this yeah. it's just impossible um so that's also a slightly different dynamic and uh, to be honest jerry jerry was very nice there about everyone wanting not to ride in case they got injured it was in case everyone was petrified of going the wrong way yeah. you remember <laughs> even when they we thought they'd gone the wrong way with david russell they'd gone the right way yeah and um yeah, this is this is the race I fear calling most, to be honest, Big. I've I've walked that course so many times now, and it's like a kid's rail track. Once you realise there's only so many junctions where you can go off, it's okay. But the very first year I did it for the race course, they all went the right way till the home bend. And then they end up trying to come up the new course. The one on the inside carried six out, and Garchon Petri was seventh, knew the right way, and won. So it, it's <laughs> it's a bizarre race. It's like a kid's scale electrics track, and it fears, you know, if something goes clear, our cameras just cannot cope, and you can never find them with binoculars. They're just all over the shop. So, yeah. so Delta worked to win nice and comfortably, chased home by plan of attack. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Daryl, I wanted to just quickly ask you, back on the last, you obviously won our most recent cross-country race. He beat Delta work. I know, like like we were saying, uh, he was uh, massively better off at the weight, but is it silly to overlook him at 20 to 1? Um... <laughs> Look, Delta work. Delta work will be shorter than the eleven to ten. He's he's on offer now on the day. He'll be odds on, and he'll just win. Like he gave back on the lash so much weight. Back on the lash was prepped for that handicap. Um, that was his target. Um, this won't be. This is Delta work's target. I think it's pretty straight down the line. I like it. Okay, so we we were going for big prices. Now we're just bang on the favourite in this race. Delta work does it. Simple. Yeah, back on the lashes zone, okay. Meg, by the, um, they, ha they have the box right in front of the commentary box, <laughs> back on the lash. So it's always pretty memorable when it wins because I can see them leaping up and down and jumping oh, up no and down. And it literally, it's right in, right in front of the commentary box. That I think they're the owners of Schler or something, they, you know, they're, they're sponsored the Schler Chase Love as well. Love that. So, yeah, so it's absolutely, so it's always quite fun there because um, you get lots of food and drink afterwards if it's one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over the water the commentary box. So I'll... I'll Part of me wouldn't mind if it ran well, but I'm, I'm firmly in Daryl's camp. I reckon if there's one favourite that will start shorter, the short price one, it'll be this one. Yeah. Okay. We've got we've got a few short price favourites, um, some potentially mad for Cheltenham, but he is going to be one of our shortest, no doubt. Um, right, okay. Race six is another handicap. It's the Grand Annual. Um, Richard, I was actually going to ask you, throughout the year, you, at the end of every ITV show, always give an eye-catcher. And I don't know whether it would be in the Grand Annual or if any of the horses you've sort of picked out throughout the year are running on the Wednesday, but I'd absolutely love to know. So Banbridge was mentioned early on in the year after he won at Cheltenham. Is it possible mm -hmm. for him? And I posed the question, and, and again, I'll be interested in Darren Jury's view here. Right at the end after the Jean Bon Calico sort of, you know, entertainment, if you like, <laughs> what would the handicapper do with Calico off the back of that effort? Mm. Because he was relatively exposed, he might have jumped him, etc. So, how far a John Bond run below, and how far a Calico run above? And I was slightly surprised that he's only raised Calico one. So, as a result, if you think Calico ran any sort of way above his merit, then he looks well treated. I'm not yeah, suggesting fourteen John, to one. I'm not suggesting that um, you know John Bond ran to his mark at all, but. You know, Calico, it was it was interesting because he made a move and he's he's got a bit of turn of foot. And um, the other one didn't run in that race is Haddix Desobo. Now it's interesting because had he run in that race, you know, I, you need to know everything is all right with him, first of all. I can't remember why he yeah. missed it. I think it was drying ground. Yeah. But did Gary suddenly decide that that mark was going to be compromised? Um, I think it was 148, something like that, Haddix Desobo was on. That's pretty nice. He's a front runner. Bizarre move this onto the old course as well. Remember, we had the, the really yeah. horrible year with the fatalities and what have you, because they were all going too fast. So we take it off the course that's slow and stick it on the course that's fast. Don't quite understand that. But it, <laughs> does, mean you want, it does mean you want to be close to the speed, I think, unless you go absolute nuts. It's very, very hard to make ground a big field on the old course in this sort of two-mile contest. So mm. there's three there, Haddock, Sezo, Bo, Bambridge and Calico, who've just caught my eye. Novices do quite well in this race historically. And, uh, and all of those potentially kind of want different ground so it might be that not all of them sort of turn up depending which way the, the ground ends up ends up going but Banbridge and Calico 14 to 1 and Haddox is over 12 to 1 so um interesting love to know the horses that catch your eye because 
quite often they end up popping up somewhere. So you have to have your notebook at the ready at the end of the ITV show when Richard's doing the yeah, eye catch. They normally at least three times and then they win the fourth time. <laughs> You're in good company, don't worry about that. <laughs> something that normally happens, yeah. Um, Jerry, Amarillo Sky is 16 to 1 at the moment. He's been absolutely flying this season and you quite liked him for the Grand Angel, is that right? Yeah, I think this horse is a typical, he's tailor-made for the Grand Annual. I know Richard touched there on the kind of the, the record of novices in this race, but I think that's interesting because for me, this race, it's really suited by a good hardened handicapper. You just go so quick up over those first few fences. Like, that's why I just think like the entry, like Boot Hill, whether he'll go for this race or not, I think that's very interesting because he, uh, for me, I think he's one of those horses in this race. He, he could be a massively improving horse and he still is an improving horse. But whether he goes to this race, I'm not too sure or not. But a horse like that, you know, they can get found out in this race. You just go so, like, you, we actually, the jockeys end up going too quick in this race. You know, they just go, you line up for position. And if you don't go quick early, you lose your position very quickly. And I just think that could really suit Amarillo Sky. He's a hardened handicapper. He, he I know he, he didn't, like he said, I think he's beaten eight or nine lengths in the, um, at Cheltenham the last day, but that was in a in a graded race. This is back in a handicap. Um, he's got course form. He's a seven-year-old. I just think he ticks an awful lot of boxes. The Tizards are in good form again. They went through a bit of a quiet spell maybe, but the horse are running well. I just think a horse like this is, is tailor-made for a fast run, very competitive handicap. What yeah, are they doing prepping a handicapper in a grade one? Trying to get him dropped, probably, Daryl. Yeah. He's gone up four. He's I, one four I know. That, that was the worst thing. He actually got put up for them, sure, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, it's madness. That's a crazy way to prep a grand annual prospect, I tell you. Being beaten nine out of the key. He's a horse that clearly thrives off racing. And like Jerry says, where do you go if you run him in another handicap and he goes up a gap? You know, it's a, you, you end up in a really tricky situation. They probably didn't think he was going to continue to improve at the rate he kind of did. But um, maybe there's still going to be more to come from him. I, I agree with Jerry. I think he's really interesting in the Grand Honor. He did run in it as a novice last year, I think, didn't he? Didn't he finish? Yeah, yeah he was being four, 15 lengths. He's £14, £15 higher now. Yeah. yeah. He certainly looks an improved horse, wasn't he, this year? Fourth place horse that day, wasn't it? It was Vigit, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty stiff, wouldn't you? <laughs> you back, <laughs> if you back that at 12 months on, thinking how the hell did I get beaten, handicap off that mark. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe Haddock Sazobo is the next editor of Who knows? Be interesting to see. But I think he probably does. He he will want a bit of juice in the ground. Um, as we saw when he, he last ran and won, it was pretty testing. I don't think it has to be heavy, but I think he'll need a bit of juice. Um, Daryl, 14 to 1, Dad's Lad is the horse that you would like to flag up in this race. Yeah, got a great chance for Willie Mullins. Absolutely hosed up in the October meeting. I think he just got there too soon. He came down the hill very, very quickly trying to pick off Effinock Fizz. And uh, he just got there too soon. He was hanging to the left a little bit, and uh, and he was. He, he looked like, looked like he was all out of finish, but he, he wasn't really. He was just, you know, needing him to go past. But um, the way he the way he picked up, the way he came down the hill was really eye catching. They mentioned the Grand Annual straight after the race. Um, slight concern would be what Richard said is that he's, he does have a little bit of a hold up style, um, and and that is a concern because front runners do have a good record at least in the last ten years in here. Well, those really more forwardly prominent runners. I've got a good record. I think Haddix de Zobo has, has got a massive shout if he comes here. But if they were considering taking on John Bond, they must think he's got a, he must have a chance in the Arkle. Therefore, a mark of 146 would mm. look an absolute freebie if they think he's got a chance in the Arkle. Which you're going to need to run to 160 to win that. So he's definitely interested. There is an absolute certainty in here, Megan, and that's mad to say in the Grand Annual, right? But Oh, my word. Yeah, but he's. I've just heard or read or heard that he's he's got a slight injury, and that would that would be all mankind. Who I think's been ha being handicapped all season. No hood, no tongue. Listen, no hood, no tongue tie on, right? Been running over a trip too far, being held up at the rear of the field. Considering this is a habitual front runner and he's had none of the headgear on and he's been held up at the rear of the field, running on deep ground, he has dropped considerably in the handicap. <laughs> a two miles in the ground annual would absolutely suit him. But they've said he said he might not make it because he's got a little injury, but he's still in the betting at 14 to 1. Do you reckon he'll go to Aintree, Daryl, though, anyway? With all mankind, yeah, just because he, he won the old row in there, didn't he? Also, I mean, you know, oh, I think I'd rather have him, I'd rather him, yeah, I'm not convinced by him, I have to admit, but I think, I'd, yeah, I'd go Aintree. I, I don't, I, Daryl, I, I don't think you're wrong with, with the slight plan. If he, what, 
if he was walking around at the start and he was lining up at the front, I'd be putting £2.50 on each way wherever he ran. Yeah. Um, because he's certainly not the hold-up horse, in my opinion. But if he's got an injury, it'd be interesting to see with how, you know, how bad is he off or, or, or not. Um, right, we're on to our final race, which is potentially one of the trickiest races to work out. That is the champion bumper. Tricky because majority of the field have ran once or twice and won once or twice and haven't got a lot of form with each other. So it becomes quite hard to work out. Willie Mullins also has about 50 entries in this race. Um, he's got the favourite, which is it's for me. Daryl, are you with the favourite? or love have you got other? You... Oh, wow, okay. I love him, Meg. I oh. love him. If, if anyone's not seen his point-to-point, point, go back and watch it. He w- wins by eight lengths, but I'm telling you now, he doesn't even, doesn't even get going until about 50 yards before the final flight, and then he wins. Go- it's just, it was really eye-catching. The form has actually worked out fairly well. And then at Navin, when, I didn't think he was going to make the racetrack this year, right? But then I saw him enter at Navin, so I had a bit of 16s of him. And uh, he's, he's just absolutely hosed up. Like you said, there's, it's very difficult in this race, really, to like intertwine form lines and mm. you know speed figures because they're improving from one start to the other. It doesn't quite work out. I think there, if there's ever a race where you need to trust your gut and go with what you, what you feel is right, I think it's the champion bumper. This, this actually looked a couple of weeks ago, or, or just before Christmas, looked like this was going to be a very, very weak division. All of a sudden, this now looks quite a quite a hot little bumper and it's quite exciting for the novices next year but i am very very keen on this it's for me I, I honestly i can see him winning races in the future already like <laughs> that's how that's how much i like him uh, and i will just touch on like rprs because i you know i work on rprs quite a lot uh, a dream to share the second favorite actually we call an rpr of 140 at the dublin race festival that's a pound shy of what fasal vega did to win this race last year and uh six pounds higher than what Fasal vega did last year at the dublin racing festival obviously been purchased by jp mcmanus am i correct yeah but you're still going against him oh yeah absolutely it's for me he's just gonna act he's just a little speed demon he's gonna absolutely hose up I, I love this horse already i'm in love with him uh unfortunately there is not many english entries in this but jerry you like a neil Mulholland horse will mount who is currently 20 to 1 yeah, and like I suppose, firstly, I don't even know if he's going to go for this race. But I just, I just think if this, like this horse now, is another one that I kind of follow through the sales and stuff like that. He was an expensive purchase, and f- regardless of what he beat at Doncaster, it was just the way he raced. He was a bit kind of green. He did a bit too much early, and he still won by thirteen lengths. Jamie Moore kind of, you know, he taught him a bit too. He didn't just let him win on the bridle. He gave him a squeeze. He pushed him out. Mm-hmm. He was very impressive. Neil Mulholland is a brilliant trainer and he's doing very well. But I just think if this horse was trained by your dad, Paul Nichols, or, you know, one of the trainers, Dan Skelton's, whoever, he'd be a lot shorter than 20 to 1 if he's going for the race. Um, but it, it's just tricky, isn't it? Like with these Willie Mullins horses, I know Willie's not scared to run loads in the race, but I just wonder whether Simon Muneer and Isaac Swade will run two in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, or will they try splitting them up or keeping one fresh for punch down or I don't I don't know what way it'll work but I have a feeling it's for me will run uh, but yeah I just think Wilmont it's kind of 20 to 1 I think if he goes to the race non-runner no bet I think he's a good he's a good each way bet I thought it interesting fun 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 she was sort of priced in at about 25 to 1 or bigger and then her recent run at Leopardstown when she she won she's coming slashed to 6 to 1 so that's quite interesting, and I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, they, they don't mind taking taking on their own horses, um, Simon Muneer and Isaac Swade, nor do obviously the yard. So um, that'd be really interesting. Because we haven't had or haven't got many potential English runners in this, I suppose, Richard, you've not called any, if many, home. So you might not have a really strong opinion of this race. Yep, that's a fair summation, mate. You play to your strengths, <laughs> and this is not one of them. Yeah, yes. The best bit, best bit about this race uh, is the ITB are affair. <laughs> Pressure <laughs> off. Because this, well, yes, but it's also, this is the hardest race to call, I think, of the entire festival, uh, maybe other than the cost country, because you just don't know them. You just don't know them. You've seen them. They've all been impressive to varying degrees, where Jerry and yourself probably have got the advantage over those of us that trawl through the form, is you've probably seen them go through the ring and you've got some idea of, you know, the relative merits of some of the even point-to-point form, and Daryl obviously has as well. So, no, no, I'm, I'm more than happy to curtail getting to race seven and, and head back to the hotel and work out that it's won by a horse that I'd never heard of. Love <laughs> it, love it. Well, 
sometimes the best thing to do is if you're there, go down to the paddock, have a look and see mm. which horse you think is looking the best or sort of takes your eye. I, 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 that would be my view um, in, in a race like this. Um, so that is all seven races that we have covered. And we've got a bit of a stick or twist once again. Um, oh, yes. Richard, what, what we do is we, we get a, a £20 bet, which um, hopefully is a winning one and all um, money that is raised goes to the Indie Jockeys Fund. We, throughout our podcasts, have covered a couple of races and we get the option to stick or twist. But Richard, lucky you, you can choose any horse, any race on the Wednesday. So free to do whatever you like with the £20. I don't know if you know or if you'd like a couple of minutes to work that out. Let me have a think about what might run, because I think that's the danger, is a couple of yeah. mine are, are, are doubtful. So let, let me hear okay. what the, the others have gone for. Okay, so, Jerry, we'll start with you. In the Ballymore, you went on and in, on in the pocket. It will, yeah, presume in the pocket, I suppose. <laughs> that's got so, to be a spelling error. That was a little typo, I think. I was reading that thinking, <laughs> this is not right. Yeah, no, I, I did see that. I think it is well, unless they've changed the name of the horse in the meantime. But I know I'll stick with in the pocket, not on in the pocket. It's like, what? But yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm going to stick with that, please. And in the brand advisory, Je uh, Jerry Colon. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I'm, yeah, sticking. I'd say I got a bit of a bigger price than what he is now. Yeah, so that's good. I'm happy. Okay. And Daryl, you've gone Grange, uh, Grange Clare West in the Ballymore. <laughs> Oh, what a shocker there, didn't I? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to twist that, Meg. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go for Impere Pass. Impere okay. Pass. Okay. And Brown Advisory, Manila Kakuna. Well, you're not allowed to You're not allowed to twist two, so unfortunately what? you have to stick. Yeah, you're only allowed one. This week it's only one. Good, because I was going to go on your dad's stage star, but I don't think he's going to accept Oh, that. no, he replied. You've reminded me. He said it will be considered. And he did get an entry, so there's no such Good man. That's what yeah, I like to see. Go. This horse has got go. loads of stamina. Come on, Paul! <laughs> <laughs> okay, mine were in the Ballymore Hermes Allen, who I'm sticking with. Brown Advisory, Bally Griffin Cottage. Mm, I think I'm going to twist, but I don't know what I'm going to twist to, which is really stressful, um, because it's just a race where we just don't know. Well, what do you think about that? Maybe I'll, I'll stick one in there. I'll, I'll yeah, gamble perfect. on getting Arjuna Neal running there. Okay. I, I know he's a short price favourite for the National Hunt Chase, but one's a grade one, one's a grade two. And I think, as we've said, it, it, particularly if you're gambling probably on Jerry Colomb not running, but that's what the owner said. He was pretty definitive about it. So mm -hmm. I'll take him at his word and I'll go Gallardum Neal, even though the question mark is more for me about whether he runs rather than if he wins. If he runs, okay, he wins. Okay, 20 pounds straight down. So. Yeah, that would be my... Strongest okay. view, I think. Perfect. Um, oh gosh, I am. I don't even know. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scrap my brown advisory, Valley Griffin Cottage out, and I'm gonna put in Hadex Zobo for the Grand Annual at sure. what I believe is twelve to one. So that is that is what I'm gonna be um, changing to. Meg. So. Before we wrap up, can I, I've got two questions for our guest. Can I can I ask him? <laughs> I suppose so. Oh, I'm, I'm such a fan, Richard. You know that. Um, we, look, we know you're a punter as well as a commentator. There's, there's there's more to you than just your commentating. When you've watched a race live and you've called a race, as the punter in you, do you, how many times do you have to go back and watch that race, or do you react on what you've seen visually and what you've called? Yeah, I think it's two things. Um, I was told a lot. Always jot down your first thoughts. And I think that even if you're previewing a race rather than reviewing a race, I think that's really helpful because sometimes you get so wrapped up in the intricacies of form that you forget what was blindingly obvious to you right at the beginning. And by the time you get to the end, you've ended up backing something that you wouldn't have considered initially. And sometimes just spending five minutes looking at a race, putting it to one side and then doing the hours worth of work is quite handy. Then look at the five minutes right at the end. Just check you haven't moved miles away from it. So a bit similar with the reviewing. I've got a really good computer system where little notes can get put in at the time. And then if I have the time, particularly the graded races, I'll go back and do them in more depth. But the first Brilliant. the first thoughts are often punters are instinctive. Yeah. You know, your first thought about that, but you but in a big field you'll miss some. So you do have to go back and just check because there might have been an even bigger eye catcher than the one you saw at the time, you know. Okay, brilliant. And if you could only bet one horse this entire Cheltenham Festival, who would it be? 
it would be Gaia Dumanil, I think, um, on the, the Wednesday. And primarily because, to be honest, at this stage, this is the day I've looked at in, in most depth. Um, I would only have backed handicappers in the past, and I'm, I'm reluctant to move away from that. So I would like to go through the handicaps, but at this stage, you just haven't seen them. And, of course, the, we're talking about marks as well. We don't know what they Irish horses are going to get, yeah. which is an ad, extra added complication. You can look up the UK marks and think, OK, if you get in, we're talking Haddock Scissor by 146, et cetera. But, of course, the Irish ones, we, we're not 100% sure till the weights come out, and that makes it complicated as well. But with more than 50% of runners and handicaps in recent years being Irish, that's taken away for me what was my sort of you know tried and trusted technique and that's the lesson i suppose Darrell, isn't it you've got to be prepared to move with the times and not stick with something that becomes outdated and wondering why you're doing rubbish absolutely cheers mate appreciate your answer then that's right. um richard i've got one final question for you before we totally wrap up and that is for anyone who is listening hopefully um what advice have you got for someone who's thinking i i'd quite like to become a commentator i wonder how richard got into that yeah, look, I'm not the archetypal person because I, you know, I, I'm not going to bore everyone, but I applied from the paper, out top of the paper, never having done a commentary in my entire life. So yeah. as a result, I'm not the person to ask as to how to get into it. Although there's something in the fact that you can either do it or you can't. And it's very hard sometimes when someone's obviously wanted to do it from a young age and they give you a tape and they just haven't quite got the, the fluency. If you really think you can do it, the best advice I can give you is take your paper, buy a racing post, give yourself five minutes before each race to learn every horse. Okay, Which just is how five you do it, minutes. Isn't it? Just five. Yep, that's how I've done it. That's how I've always done it. Just five minutes, and when they run, jump out the stalls, literally just say A B C D E F G. Don't fill with anything. Not as they run through the first furlong, because if you can identify them swiftly, I can slow you down. I can give you content. I can give you techniques. But if you can't ever identify them fast enough, then commentary isn't for you. So that's the thing, and be brutally honest with yourself as well. I've heard a lot of people who feel they will improve when they just haven't got that sort of um instant recall if you like which you just need to have you just have to trust it i was never any good at cricket but i love the game and i just wish i could bat like you know an opening batsman in test match the balls outside off stump <laughs> without really thinking what you've done you've just done it you know and that's why when you're commentating 27 runner races or the wokingham isn't that bad because someone it's like facing a fast bowler he chucks it at you you just do something it's when you've got time and it's a dibbly dobbly spinner and you've got time to yeah. think, change your mind five times. That's my four and a novice chase when you end up cocking it up and thinking, how on earth am I doing that to this? So, <laughs> so if, you, if you're really keen, then I think that's the thing to do. Can you identify horses fast enough? Do you, does your racing knowledge stand up under pressure? Yeah, that's Brilliant. interesting. I think it's amazing how you can, you know, memorise all, all of them. And it's not one race a day, it's several races a day. So I, fair play to, to you and all the other commentators out there. That's a, that's a skill in, its, in itself. Yeah, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't have ridden a winner, Megan. So as a no. result, you and Jerry have got 10. I mean, it's different different strokes for different folks, isn't it? So, you know. well, no, absolutely. But credit where credit is due, that's for sure. Um, just want to remind everyone that we have Racing Only Better on Thursdays and obviously weighed in on Mondays. And... Please, everyone, Daryl, always included in this one, please gamble responsibly. Um, next week, we will be looking at day three, the Thursday of Cheltenham Festival. We will have another special guest alongside. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope everyone has been really interested in, in what you've had to say. And hopefully we find lots of winners. Yeah, pleasure. I hope everyone has a really, really good Cheltenham. And um, yeah, keep up to date with all the information. It's really handy doing this, actually. It's focused my mind. And I'll be listening to days three and four to help me with my homework uh, as we build up to the festival. Oh, we feel honoured. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>